Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. So if you've ever wondered whether your CBD was working, that means it probably wasn't. Next Evo Naturals developed SmartSorb technology, which is clinically proven to help your body absorb CBD four times better than regular CBD oil because oil just doesn't mix with your water-based body. It works faster too. So when you're trying to get sleep, you're not wasting time wondering, is this working? So I really like my sleep and I'm really bad at getting it. So I tried Next Evo Naturals and was very excited to have something that is safe, natural, healthy, and could put me to sleep feeling less stressed and ready to start the next day. I really felt like I was in a perfect state for falling asleep. I totally back it. I had their delicious strawberry flavored sleep support CBD gummies, and it really did help me fall asleep quickly. So get a better night's rest and a better day tomorrow with products from Next Evo Naturals for up to 25% off subscription orders of $40 or more. Use the promo code humans at nextevo.com. That's N-E-X-T-E-V-O.com, promo code humans. I was in a perfect state for falling asleep. I totally back it. That's N-E-X-T-E-V-O.com, promo code HUMANS. Sleep tight. Hi, I'm Dr. Aliza Pressman. And before we start today's special, super fun episode with David Harbour, I just want to remind and encourage everyone to sign up and subscribe for my new exclusive Apple Premium. It's going to be totally different content, just us, no ads. So this particular season is going to be all about discipline. I'm so looking forward to being able to offer this and I'm looking forward to hearing from you. You can DM me on Instagram at Raising Good Humans Podcast. And of course, don't forget to write a little review in Apple Podcasts so you can let me know who your favorite guests are and what your favorite parts are. Welcome to Raising Good Humans. I'm Dr. Lisa Pressman, and today's episode, I have with me brilliant actor, stage and screen, David Harbour, who you might know from Stranger Things. I know your whole bio from life. So I'm realizing I didn't plan the intro. You might know from Stranger Things or I hope we keep this in. <laughs> or from Marvel Universe or Broadway or London Theater. Most notably, he is a friend of mine from college. <laughs> and the top of my resume. Top. Yeah. So we've known each other 29 years because wow. I was a toddler when we went to college. So the funny thing about being <laughs> on this podcast. 
and speaking with any sort of, but I think that's kind of part of the role of the artist and the madman in society is to, and the fool in Shakespeare's court or whatever, is to just present questions back to you. Or, you know, even Jesus did it. And right? the parents. Pontius Pilate or whatever. I am what you say I am. You know, the Buddha. That's what, and the parent. Ideally. The parent is the one that's supposed to pose questions back to the, oh, and we bring it back, ladies and gentlemen. Who knew? When we thought we weren't going to get into the fact that he's a stepfather, she's going to tell me what I'm supposed to do with these two little girls. I'm supposed to pose questions back to them. Yes, ideally, you would, just like you were talking about in other areas, when you're just thinking about it, when you're raising kids, if you answer all their questions with your answers, how will they learn to come up with their own, even if they're wrong and they have to fall on their face, right? It's what you have to do, right? You got to like send the bike out, and just let them ride and fall, right? You know, I mean, you give them tools first. You don't put them on a bike before they've learned how to walk and learned how to balance and all of those things. Yeah, but of ultimately, they have to take the ride. They have to take the ride. And ultimately, we have to go from, you know, it's developmental at some point in their childhood, we go from answering questions to being curious and asking them more questions when they tell us things so that we can help them understand themselves better. Because isn't that what confidence is? If you want to raise confident kids, they trust themselves. I, I think so. I Maybe. No, that's the joke. Oh, are you trying to be funny? The no. confidence joke. I, I, I don't know. Okay, Jesus. Whoa, tough crowd. So anyway, I just wanted to bring it back to parenting for funsies. But we can go back to what you were saying because... This is important in that it's just having a conversation about it. Just the idea of having well, a conversation like, about something wanna... like this is is the point. Right. That it doesn't need to be like, oh, so do we want to talk about being a step-parent? Yeah, why wouldn't we? I mean, it's a parenting podcast. And it feels like a good time to, yeah, to bring up kids. The only thing I will say is my therapist said that he his first book that he was going to write was called it was about raising children uh-huh. and it's called nothing worked <laughs> i think there's a lot of <laughs> truth in that, truth in that. <laughs> yeah, and there's, there's stuff we know for sure is important and then there's stuff that maybe is good to do because it makes us feel better and then there's stuff that we just desperately want to control how the outcome is. And so it just feels like, okay, if I do these things. Well, I think when I listen to your podcast stuff and your clips or when I talk to you, it seems like the thing that resonates most with me that's probably most difficult for me is just to like let go. To like let go with love. Like to love, to to really listen and to let go. Because I have my ideas about what's best and I... I'm very vocal about them. It just gets me in trouble. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Well, I think there is, especially with tweens and teens. What is a tween, by the way? It's between childhood and So is it like 8 to 12? Exactly. Okay. Yeah, that's what they, yeah. Okay. You have tweens. Yeah, okay. And They're fascinating, (laughs) by the way. And all of a sudden, there's like a little bit of this where you go from being the wise, fun <laughs> person that knows things to the person who needs to zip it more than give <laughs> yeah. wisdom. And that is incredibly difficult. 
Well, I mean, I sort of had a different experience because I'm the stepdad coming right. in. So the first couple of years of their life was six and seven, I think. And they were, you know, they did not choose me to come into their life. Yeah. It's like you date somebody's mom and then suddenly it's like, hey, I'm going to be a big part of your life. It's like, who the hell are you? And like, who invited you? So, like, was there a moment when you were just like, because you refer to them with so much affection and love. Like, these are your... These are your people. Do you, was there a moment when you decided? It was almost immediate. I'm in love? It was almost immediate. Really? I mean, yeah. Like the minute I met them, I sat down with them. Lily brought them to meet me at a restaurant. Mm -hmm. A neutral place. I know you're supposed to do that with puppies too when they meet, right? (laughs) Yeah. Like a neutral place. This is a person that was going to be important. And we sat and had dinner and they were weirded out by it. And uh, and I just was, yeah, I just fell in love. They're fascinating creatures. They're just like incredible. I guess every, you know, parent feels this, but it's like, I just had an immediate, like, wow, these are people that I want to help. These are people that I want to like support and you know, see what they become. And just, yeah, just think they're incredible. What was your experience with kids before that? So... I had, I've always like, I've always had a kind of love hate relationship. <laughs> Are you allowed to say that on the child rearing sure. podcast? But like, I, so I had always had, like, I remember doing a play in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and there was like a little girl in it. And we would, I would like carry her on my shoulders. Like, I always had a fun thing. Kids always liked me because I'm kind of like a kid, I'm kind of yeah. silly and like do dumb stuff. I'm not like an adult in that way. Uh-huh. So kids always liked me. But also, I had this thing where I was never going to have a kid. I was very committed to never having a kid, never having a family. And so they were this sort of thing where I felt like I could deal with them on their level, but it was never something where I wanted to take care of one or be a father in that way. I like playing a father on TV, Uh but to be one felt like I was going to have to engage in a whole lot of, like, lies. I'd like to hear more about that. I just feel like, you know, the whole family, I guess I have this idea in my head of what, like, the father's knows best sort of family uh-huh. idea where you sit down and you're like... Father knows best, by the way, was before our time, <laughs> to be clear. 19, like, whatever. But it, it just was this this mentality of, like, I don't know, I just feel like I wanted to be able to live my life. This is a crazy thing now that I think about it because it's one of the things that as I've transitioned into family life, I realized the joy and the beauty of this idea as opposed to before where it felt really repellent was I wanted to be able to express myself fully at any given moment. I wanted to be fully myself to any person at any moment. I wanted to stay. That was my raison d'etre, this artistic freedom. Uh-huh. And so family life felt like a lie. Because you do have to. Yeah, you can't put that all. Yeah, you can't go. You can't. Yeah. They're not raising you. They don't need to take care of you. Exactly. And uh, you do have, you know, deal with complexity. It's not always simple. And so I think that's why I was very turned off was I was like, I just want to live free. And honestly, and for me, and that was my joy. And then this came along, and I really fell in love with 
their mother and I fell in love with them. And that was like, you're fucked because <laughs> you have to like show up now. And that was a learning curve for me. But the one thing that was really cool about the learning curve early on too, because it was during the pandemic that we really became a family. I mean, I work a lot. So I'm always running around. We're lucky that we had like four months where we were stuck in the South of England in a house together, just becoming a family. They don't know who I am. And they give, they give me a hard time as well they should. And I had these days where it was like, what the hell am I doing? Like, what am I doing? Nobody wants me here. Like, I'm just but. And what you, what I really ignited in me was to love something, whether or not it loved me back. Because I did. I always came back to this place where I was like, you don't have to love me back. Like, I'm going to show up and support you and be there for you because I just love you. I don't know what it is. I don't know why it is. That was really this, the beginning of this fatherly feeling. But I was like, for the rest of your life, you can do whatever. You can treat me however you want. But I will always be there for you. I'll always take care of you. And that really was just ignited in this way that, and then, you know, whatever. They gave me a hard time, but also they gave me, you know, there are tons of moments. I think as you know, as a parent, right, there's like, it can go through, by the way, it can go through, the morning can be the worst morning in the world. They're not eating breakfast. You're not ready. Put your shoes on. Just put your shoes on. We're late. Put your shoes on. And then it can go to like walking down the street and them asking some dumb question, just like your heart just explodes with love. And then as you're dropping them off, like a block away, they do something to annoy you again. And it's just that roller coaster of stuff with them. So when I say they gave me a hard time, it's like, you know, the general tenor was, we don't know who you are. We don't trust you. And we don't trust that you'll show up. if We act like ourselves. And then in the midst of that, there was tons of moments where it was just like, they were sweet, kind and funny and adorable. because they are. And now a little break so I can tell you about my sponsors. Caraway Homes non-toxic cookware and bakeware collections are so awesome and they can make healthier cooking a piece of cake. You see what I did there? Caraway Homes non-toxic kitchenwares are all designed for the modern home and feature chemical-free ceramic coating so food can be prepared with peace of mind that no hard-to-pronounce compounds will leach into your healthy ingredients. And it looks fantastic and has easy storage solutions. And now you can save up to 20% on all Caraway products, including their internet famous non-toxic cookware set. I have it. I use it. I love it. And for the first time ever, you can now save on Caraway's food storage, tea kettle, mini cookware. This exclusive deal is happening once a year on Caraway's cyber season event. I love Caraway Home, and I have been using their cookware for much longer than they have been my advertisers. In fact, I had so many of the Caraway Home products, it was hard to find something I didn't already have. So visit carawayhome.com to take advantage of their cyber season event and score up to 20% off your next purchase of non-toxic kitchenware. This deal won't last long, so go visit carawayhome.com to shop on all their incredible products for up to 20% off this holiday season. Caraway. Before you book a restaurant, don't you go over Yelp ads and reviews and try to figure out if it's worth going to and all the little details? Well, 
why wouldn't you do the same thing with your doctor's appointments, but with a really great resource like ZocDoc, where you can see real verified patient reviews that can help you find the right doctor in your network and in your neighborhood? Because finding the right doctor is actually a little bit more important than finding the right restaurant, right? And ZocDoc is a free app. It shows you doctors who are patient-reviewed, take your insurance, importantly, and are available when you need them. And on ZocDoc, you can find every specialist under the sun, whether you're trying to straighten your teeth, fix an achy back, check out a mole, absolutely anything. ZocDoc has you covered. And again, it's verified. So the reviews are not fake and you can actually save yourself the time of looking into doctors that don't take your insurance. Go to ZocDoc.com humans and download the ZocDoc app for free. Then search for your top rated doctor today. Many are available within 24 hours. That's ZocDoc.com humans. ZocDoc.com humans. ZocDoc.com humans and download the ZocDoc app for free, then search for your top-rated doctor today. Have you come to terms with your own experience being parented during this process of experiencing parenting? I have a lot more empathy for my parents, <laughs> which I have I have so much more. Oh, my God. I mean, most of therapy is spent, I think, like talking about how your parents messed you up, right? And then you look at, you start to parent this thing. It's a cliche, but it's a cliche because it's true. You start to parent this thing and you see the way the thing reacts to you. This thing. Like, who the hell are you? What are you? And you start to go like, ah. and then you're like, oh, I get it. That thing is doing what this thing did to my dad. And then you just go like, wow, God, that must have been hard for you. Yeah. So I have tremendous empathy. I mean, it's it's impossible to... It's just the amount of decisions and the amount of things you're trying to take in. It's, it's like impossible to do. It's an impossible task. But we do it. Yeah. You have to. It's the only game in town, right? I mean, that's the other thing I realized, like having little kids around. I'm big on the artist life of like, oh, my career, my art, this and that. And, the other. and then it's like, you have these little people around who are growing in front of you. And you're like, oh, okay, I get it now. Like, I get why this is all anybody talks about. So, you know, we get together and it's like, because it is, it's an extension. I guess it's just this extension of the thing. It's like the life that you just pass it on and you go die. But that that's a fun part of it. This part where you just pass it on. It's very sort of Buddhist in a way, right? It's very like, not your ego starts to let go and you start to go like, nah, like I'm cool and everything, but like, whatever, you could take it. <laughs> take it and go. This day, I don't <laughs> but there is there's something about it where it feels like the life force or the conscious moves throughout us and it moves into these little beings whose, by the way, whose little brains are so much sharper than mine and so fast. They are so fast. And you're like, oh, you're just built for living on the planet more than I am. So go ahead. <laughs> take it. Take the money and I'm, like all this I'm stuff. So slow. And just go. Just slow and tired. I want to get out of here anyway. It's all annoying me. Even your music and what you guys are into. Annoying. Well, do they like Harry Styles? <laughs> <laughs> because I'm not. Do they like? No, they, they, I think they do. You know who they love? No. Olivia. Olivia. Yeah. yeah. And they, sure. their mom just sang with her. 
at Glastonbury, Olivia invited her to sing one of her songs, and they so they got to do that. It was oh, like, wow, that's yeah, pretty good. It was, yeah, she had these little, I gotta say, I gotta give it up. But this is a podcast about giving it up for Olivia Rodrigo. That girl showed up with little harp for that, and it was just like, it was like the celebrity experience that You'll never you have won't have when you meet me. <laughs> wow. Yeah. I don't know. I had to bring Harry Styles into this conversation before then. Have you talked publicly about your love for Harry Styles? No. Okay. No, I haven't. <laughs> well, let this be the first because time. Because I went to the concert just a few weeks ago, and then I got COVID shortly thereafter. So I haven't had a chance to, to talk about it. <laughs> I don't know. I don't really know. I know Watermelon Sugar or something. Like, I know these songs. That's oh, the way it was or whatever. But it's just something about he's really sexy, huh? I mean, he's, like, he's 28, so I'm not going to say that as a middle-aged mom, please. I find him He's sexy. an adult. You're an adult. But he is, <laughs> we can, it's okay. Yeah. It's okay. I know we're in the, I know it's weird, but it's okay. He's no, an adult. He's, so, but my kids... But he's also a bit androgynous. Sexual. Like, he doesn't... It's not like a masculine. It's more like a thing. Like, I he think he has a like, great. He's so accepting, and nice. he's, you know, it's, it's great for the young people. Hi, but, Harry. <laughs> <laughs> he's wonderful. I don't even know what just makes me think of him at all. I guess everything makes me think. Of oh him. my god! This has become a Harry Styles podcast. A you know, fan there was girl. a New York Times article about the effect he's having on this demographic. On you? Ridiculous. Not me. But yeah. Yeah, the old moms who are like, ah! Yeah. Because <laughs> their kids are taking them. Yeah. Or putting it on. And then, anyway, I rolled my eyes at all that until I went to the concert. And then, now I'm like, he's everything. I get it. Great messaging for the kids. <laughs> Good times. I love him. I guess it's me projecting my fears. This is what I really want to talk about. Okay. It's like, because myself as a kid and, you know, if a kid gets into like addiction or really bad behavior like in the teenage years, because they're, you know, they're like what, nine and 10 right now, they're fine. But I could see a world where whatever, they're, they're smart, fierce girls. They might get into weird stuff. And I just think I'll get so angry and my only retort is like punish i just want to take it away I want to, uh, and sometimes even now i see little moments when they act out or something I'll be like i'll take away that ipad what do you do if they get into really bad you know places i mean you try to prevent that obviously right but like right. how do you get them out without making them go further in there i mean you couldn't ask a light question right so <laughs> i feel like we go straight there we'll work our way back we'll work our way <laughs> we'll back to like well, first of all, the time now in building the relationship, and connection, and trust is in many ways the most protective thing. And then the agreements that you have going forward about your expectations, like let's take substances, which is a fear of yours because of your history, I imagine. But so you'll have to work a little bit on what is my story that I'm telling and writing for them because mm-hmm. of my history? And what is parenting? Your brain won't develop as well if you engage in substance use. In your but you can't family. rationally sit down and talk to them about this. They're not rational beings. So there are two separate things. One is their rational self, 
they can be very rational oh, yeah, in conversation true. when you teach them things, when you talk about things, when you lean over, when they're looking at something and just kind of whisper your, your thoughts about it. And then they roll their eyes, but they hear you. Yes. And in conversations when they're not with friends in that, in that moment of being with peers who are doing something you were going to have your blood boil about, you have to have those rational conversations. It doesn't mean that they're going to be able to remember them in the heat of the moment. But if you never have the conversations and you never set up your expectations, they won't really have the rudder. Right. And so they need that. So I say that only because I wouldn't want you to think like, well, kids are going to be kids. And I don't think you feel that way. Teens are going to be teens. There's nothing we can do. There are things that you can do to set up the environment so that when they do act out, which of course they will, they can tell you like your message. It's more important that your message is not to be afraid of doing those things because they don't want to get punished by you, but it's actually because they want to be safe and make decisions that are going to keep them safe. And so they should, if, if you're building that relationship such that you, you're clear with them, no matter what, A, I don't condone this and B, if it happens, I want to be the person to tell so that I can help you and make sure you're safe. I'm still going to be, you're, there's still going to be consequences, of course, but nothing will be as bad in telling me the truth. And that way they don't do the kinds of things that does happen when you become authoritarian with them. Mm-hmm. And it's just all about fear and punishment. Mm-hmm. And then they might put themselves in a position where they'd rather be in danger than get in trouble with you. That's what you don't want to do. But in terms of consequences, they just need to make sense. There's natural consequences and there are logical consequences. And those are the ones that you want to look towards, not just arbitrary uh, you just did something horrible and I'm taking everything away and, you know, locking you up. It's like, we had a list. We had, we have a list of what is okay. And what happens if you veer off and what makes sense? Like you can come up with them together. You can come up with consequences with them as they're getting they're too young right now for that kind of big stuff. But as they're getting involved in big stuff or going to parties or you know, getting a curfew or any of that, you can say, what do you think a reasonable curfew is? What makes sense for you and your crew? Okay, I'm not comfortable with that curfew, but mm. here's what I can move to. Because this is how long I can stay with, or whatever your, mm. your rule is. And then what are we going to do if you break that? Let's figure out something that makes sense. And something logical means that you have a say in it. You're gonna, it's logical that you went to a party, there were drugs, you didn't tell me. Or you did tell me, and I found out about it because you were honest, and I'm so grateful. You still are not going to the next three parties. That's fair, right? Versus just arbitrarily punishing. A natural consequence of drinking too much is throwing up and feeling really sick. And if you can trust your parent and tell them what happened and feel really sick and know that they love you and that you screwed up your body's natural reaction to it is the natural consequence and then the logical consequence that you might also want to have is and also for the foreseeable future i'm going to make you pee on a (laughs) stick or make you tell me where you are or make you know i'm gonna have to call the parents to make sure they're 
at the house or I'm not letting you go or whatever. Those those can be, you know, or I'm taking away your right to the car for three weeks or right. for one week. So you could do both, but none of those are nonsensical consequences. They're just like angry, scary. I'm going to lock you in your room and not give you your phone and you won't have access to your friends. And those are the kinds of things that happen that end up with kids where kids are just like, well, I, I now have no choice but to go further and further into this. So that you look <laughs> No, it's funny that you talk about you bring this up because you know I was just remembering. I just I had a flash of memory about we listened to one of your things about the internet and pornography because we were because they were on the internet. They were playing like this Roblox the game. And they were, I know I'm talking about like it's like the internet. It's like I'm gonna become my dad. But they they were playing like this Roblox game and they're also on YouTube, like watching dumb videos. And you had said they will come across this thing. So Lily and I sat down with them and tried to exactly. explain this idea that, you know, men and women, this thing they do together, <laughs> sometimes it's done in a bad way or whatever. You know, you might come across this. <laughs> like, there's a, yeah, we get it. Okay, we get it. <laughs> Can we go back? To, like, yeah, two, okay. two things just to throw out as an idea. <laughs> yeah, I didn't is, explain it very well. The sex conversation ideally is separate from the porn conversation because sex conversation can be about wonderful, happy things. Yes, yes. And porn conversation, not wonderful and happy. Yes. But I think knowing that at, at a younger age, it's just knowing that it could be something that you come across and what to do if you do, which is to close your eyes, tell a grown-up, and, you know, why it might be happening and why it's not good for your noggin. Right. But usually at this age... You also can put, which is not super easy because they go out to the world, but you can make sure that they have some screening done for the, you know. Yeah, we pay attention to that stuff. But it is good to have these conversations. They're uncomfortable. You're going to mess them up. They're going to be awkward. They're going to be clunky. And they're going to be like, can we go have a pizza and get back to our video game, please? Yeah. But they heard you. And and they, they know that they can come to you. That's all that matters. And now a little break so I can tell you about my sponsors. I love design. I just find it so relaxing. And I love paint as part of design because you can change the entire tone of a room for not that much money. Claire is a new online paint brand that makes paint shopping simple. Claire takes the hassle out of paint shopping with a streamlined selection of designer curated colors, mess-free peel and stick paint swatches, which is pretty darn cool, and premium paint and supplies delivered straight to your door. And since we all want to create a beautiful home that reflects our personal style, and paint is one of the easiest and least expensive ways to do that, it is kind of tricky picking paint colors without help. And Claire makes picking paint colors really easy because they have a quiz that you can take. An interior designer helps you choose paint colors based on what you're looking for. And That way you don't have to try to interpret the 400 different versions of the color blue. You answer just a few questions about your space and style and Claire delivers a personalized paint color recommendation just for you. Also importantly, it is female founded and the paint formulation is zero VOC, Green Guard Gold certified, so it gives you better indoor air quality that meets the most stringent chemical emission standards. And it's formulated without any toxic air contaminants. 
Visit Claire at www.claire.com slash humans to get started and receive 10% off your order. That's www.claire.com slash humans for 10% off. I'm a mother and I know the health and well-being of your loved ones is your top priority. And it's really important to stay critically informed about anything and everything that affects our kids, including how to stay safe against COVID-19 infection with COVID-19 vaccines and boosters. As some of you may know, vaccines have been authorized for the whole family, including little ones, to help you protect them against serious illness from COVID-19. The vaccine's been proven to be safe and effective, and here in California, hundreds of thousands of kids have already been safely vaccinated against COVID-19. And in a more recent update, the COVID-19 booster is now available and can help strengthen our protection against the original coronavirus and also target the newer, more infectious strains. Californians ages 12 and older can now get their updated booster, and children as young as five are eligible to receive their original booster. Head to myturn.ca.gov for more information about COVID-19 vaccines and boosters for the entire family. You know what I do have? A, I do have a weird question for you. And, but again, it's so specific to each kid, right? So I travel a lot for work. And that yes, sucks. Because I'm very, I'm just very hardworking. But I'm, mm-hmm. it sucks because I, you know, I miss them. Yeah. And do you have recommendations around the technology? Because sometimes I go through phases where I, it, one of them is really good on the FaceTime and the other one, doesn't really like it because she, I think it's because it makes her more sad or something. And I guess it's just specific to each kid. But do you have recommendations about if you are away a lot, like how, how to communicate? Connected. Yeah, how to stay connected, how to communicate. So you just said something really beautiful, which is that you could tell the difference between one of them is good on FaceTime and one of them just doesn't, you know, maybe it makes her more sad or whatever the reason is. But so that one, find different ways to right. stay connected and maybe you write her a letter. Right. And maybe she'll write you a letter. Maybe you can ask her. Maybe she'll be like, hell no. But she might really look forward to getting little notes from you Mm. that can be left Mm. with whoever is caregiving her her mom and given to her every day at the end of the day. There's some sort of, you know, the world's quite easy now because you can just email something and print it out. But maybe there's a letter and it's old school, but it just shows her Hey, I'm thinking about you every day. Mm. But you don't talk because that's not her thing. Mm. She'll talk to you when you get home. And that's okay. Making sure that connections happen, however they happen for each individual, that just that's just how they her operating system is different. Also, can I notice one more thing? Mm. You could also say to her, hey, does it make you a little bit sad when we FaceTime? Because we don't have to. And I get a little bit sad sometimes when I FaceTime with you because I think, mm, I miss you. I wish we'd be together. Or whatever, say it in the language that you would speak. Yes. Not in my hokey way. But acknowledging that and giving her permission to have that feeling and that it's like totally typical feels very relaxing. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, as you say, like it's become a learning experience of how to really read someone and really show up for them as opposed to showing up for your idea of okay. what you want totally. to be. So even I noticed with that one, <laughs> that one, this one, that one doesn't like to address stuff that directly 
anyway. Uh-huh. And so a lot of times what will happen is, you know, of course, like I'll want to hear about a day or this or that or like they, and I remember from growing up, like my parents would want that a lot. Sometimes I really didn't want that. And they would either take that as rejection probably or leave, or they would just beg for it. It was a weird thing. So I understand when she said it. So what I try to do with her is she likes to like make bracelets or like whatever, or like I'll just sit there like yeah. in a room, just like butts around with something or try to like, and so we can just sit and start to make a bracelet for like, hour it's so boring <laughs> like making this dumb bracelet also they're so complicated the damn thing like and you I could, have big hands yeah big feet and then but i i was trying to you know she always wants to make like the most complicated one in the box and it requires like a certain wheel and like set up in a certain way and you're like we could just make the simple one where you look it's like no i want to make the one with the flowers you're like okay but uh you know, we'll just do that for like an hour. And it, it feels like a long time, but it's just fun to watch your brain work. And then she starts, and that's, you have to like think about the way she approaches the world. But that's been the most, I think, liberating thing about having kids. I could get all this advice from you. And sometimes I do go to your thing and I, you know, when I'm frustrated or whatever, but it really is, it's like another human being, like a little human being, that if you really love them, you're going to try to figure them out as opposed to impose your own things on them. Yep. Which is harder, much harder doing than saying. It's easy to say that, but then the minute you go like, "Look, I'm tired. Just tell me." Like, right. Well, I mean, why, why are we? Dance? Right. But it's like, oh no, I really yeah. have to. Yeah. So it's it's really a lot of it's like paying attention, and it's getting. It does seem like it's getting easier. I do await the guillotine day of 13 years old, where it becomes like it, it, there is like a sort of genetic component to that, right? I mean, there is an appropriate distancing and coming together of distancing that that is part of preparing to leave the nest. Because otherwise it'd be too hard and too depressing. And so we are kind of biologically wired to pull away. And also you still have to be there. And I think like not taking it personally, but you turn into more of a cat than a dog. I think that is, I speak in, I know that's really a strange thing to say. (laughs) I like. I want to hear this. Sense. I want to hear this analogy. Yeah, go ahead. I feel like there's never enough times to say that temperament matters. How you came into the world, and what you, what your nervous system responds to, and paying attention to that is everything, of course. And being able to fit your nervous system and their nervous system to be able to function together. Yeah, people are different. And also, as a general rule, when you have younger kids, you're a dog. Like, you're always available, your tail is wagging. I mean, not always, because we're people and sometimes we just want a coffee and a newspaper. But your tail is wagging, you're enthusiastic, and you want to learn things. They're this way or you're this way? You're this way. And they're probably okay. this way. But, like, as parents, we're sort of more, you know, you can you can lick them and cuddle and yes. feet, and they're not going to, like, be grossed out. And it's just much more, it's much easier. Now, that doesn't mean I have one kid who's, more affectionate one kid who's less affectionate, blah, blah, temperament matters, of course. But in general, when they're younger, it's like that sort of always available. I'm right here. I'm right here. I'm I'm available. I'll sit right next to you. Let's talk. And then adolescence happens and, and, you know, they're starting adolescence because adolescence really starts around nine or 10, but, but teenage years really, really emphasizes this. And you have to be more like a cat who's there, but like at the end of the couch or in the other room. And and 
doesn't need so much information and have to talk about their day and have to be around and, you know, best yeah. friends with them. You're a cat and you're just a little more there, but not so needy. And yeah. that helps because Lisa Demore actually says houseplant because she's <laughs> not a cat dog person. But so I get that too. If that resonates more with you, but I'm such a dog. So being a cat for me is just like, if I had a tail, it would be wagging when I'm happy. I'm just very, I'm not super subtle as you know. Mm. And if I'm not, it would not be wagging and that would be that. But I'm so like, like, hey, hey, <laughs> you know. And so having teenagers, you have to kind of play it a little cooler and be more like a cat because otherwise it's invasive. Like they need their space. Yeah. And they also need to know that I'm, you're still... It's a ridiculous analogy, but it means something to me. Like, you're still there. You're still available to be pet. You just are a little bit less needy. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's really desperate. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's really important. So they can feel like they have breathing room. And then they might come to you and say, like, hey, I'd like a, I'd like a little bit more of you. But And you're there because you haven't left. You're yeah. still there. But that's the big shift is, and, and I think when we take it too personally and we get needy and desperate for that to stay the same instead of to watch this beautiful evolution of being mm. a developing person mm. that's when it's a little bit harder to connect mm. and, and i hear a lot people saying you know he was so sweet or she was so sweet now all of a sudden dot 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 but it's like of course they're teaching <laughs> and if we can view it as a a natural part of this process it's kind of wild and beautiful yeah if you take it personally it's devastating but i mean i think you bring up a good point only because my mom was never good at that piece and it was always the thing that strained our relationship was she was very needy and it, she was a, the, yes a big sloppy golden retriever and it made for a certain amount of confidence and sort of the thing in me that was very powerfully good, but it didn't do well for our relationship. I mean, I'm very cautious of that with these girls to never, you know, because I've heard, I'm sure you've said it, I don't know if I directly, but you're never supposed to, you know, you're there to provide for them, but you're never supposed to there to make, have them make you feel good. Yes. Or I, to take care of your right. feelings in any way. I do say that quite a bit. And that was not the experience that, I had with my mother growing up. Like you had to worry, is she going to be okay if I do X, Y, or Z, or just in general? Well, there was just a lot of emotion, like around how I behave. Like there was a lot of reaction to what I did, which, you know, I mean, it's so interesting development wise. What happens? To, I mean, I think you and I talked about it in college. We were like, do we, you know, does if you had a really boring upbringing? really sane and really nice and would you become like a great artist so there's a bit of a i don't think so. i'm pretty convinced now that like you wouldn't have the needs that i have to like get on stage in front of thousands of people every night and like even harry styles as as, as normal as he seems he he does need to go out in front of stadiums of people and prove that he exists so that that particular brand of um, performative nature is something that comes from i think a certain amount of dysfunction you know that your needs are 
not being met in a certain way or, or being hyper something so that you go out and choose to do this. And so that's been very fulfilling to my life, for my life. But I, but I don't know that I need my kids to be artists. <laughs> I think they could just be like, you know. How relaxing, right? <laughs> do you know, once we can end with this, but do you remember once it was a New Year's Eve dinner? And there was a woman next to you that I'd invited. <laughs> oh, no, here we go. And this is like a great story. This is for this is for the memoir. You're gonna ruin it, but go ahead. I'll still put it in there. Do you remember? Yeah, she go. It was during a dark point in my life it was when Lisa and I before I was sober, Lisa and I knew each other. I was I think I was probably drunk at your party. I was smoke I was out smoking cigarettes. And I was probably eating an enormous like chocolate brownie <laughs> and a burger at the same time, belching and like coming back to the table, just mm-hmm. reeking of whatever. And she went, you drink? And I was like, yeah. And she's like, eat terrible. Like, yeah. She's like, you smoke? And I was like, yeah. She's like, how could you be happy? And I went, who's happy? <laughs> like it was so foreign to you, what she said. I know. And I think that is... I mean, that's a bit of the nature of my fox in the hen house ideology, too, though. I I think that the the value of the artist is meant to be, you know, to comfort the discomforted and to discomfort the comforted. And I think there's a piece of that that is... um, Is that a famous... Yes. It actually was done... It's in journalism. It was adopted by Banksy, I think, or... Somebody adopt some artists adopted it as an artistic credo, but it began in the late 1800s as a, as a journalistic credo, which was wow. to comfort the discomfort and discomfort the comfort. But they're both equally important. So there's a bit of a, a shake-up thing that, you know, as the journalist apparently and the artist have to do. So I was doing a little bit of that with her as well, yeah, but, course, but also... But it, we did, it, it just reminded me... But it's me. coming from a very truthful place. <laughs> <laughs> Happiness, too, is not, I mean, just to clarify. Happiness is not what? I was going to say, I don't think happiness is our, well, let me ask you this. What is, what is your... Did we have this discussion at college about the happiness versus fulfillment? Yes. We did. Yes. Yeah. At college. <laughs> In my, we my, went to Dartmouth. He does speak English beautifully, but college. You know, we talking about stuff at college? No, we did, and I and I, I, I feel like that was you know twenty nine years ago, and I still stand by that. So I am comfortable. I don't want my kids to be unhappy, but I am comfortable with the range of emotions they experience because I'd rather them know how to live in those experiences and be fulfilled than just be happy yeah it's an interesting thing right like i've i'm sure it's my misinterpretation of buddhism but like <laughs> but like buddhism talks about happiness a lot like and like lack of suffering and stuff and like i don't know i i mean i certainly don't want a lot of suffering but i like a little bit of suffering for fulfillment sake because i don't think that i can fill the bowl with just happiness and in a weird way like i live an existence without this family that was, you know, somewhat happy, kind of hedonistic, expect like you do things I wanted to do, didn't do things I didn't want to do, kind of I idea, kind of life. And then you show up. I, I don't even know what you're talking about. It's so important. Well, that's the thing because you show up and you have this thing, but and that's the thing about kids in general, right? It's like you, you're like, oh, this is 
you hear people all the time like you're having it's just so much work it's all all they talk about is like it's just so much work so much work and it's like i remember being single and just being like well then why would you do it like what's it and it's like this thing that you can't explain which is fulfillment i mean it's this thing you can't even explain you can't really put your finger on it you just kind of laugh at your single friend and you're like i don't know but you know because it's this deep fulfillment that they've never felt or they don't really know or understand in the same way I mean, I do feel like it's the same thing in art and being an artist as well. There's a, there's pieces that are similar as well. Yeah, it's a different thing than happiness. I mean, maybe it's semantics, but I do think it's a different thing than happiness. Please note that this episode may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products and services. Individuals on the show may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to in this episode.